Well, that was uh, Mark, as he already said, I guess, uh, from Rise FM, and uh, we partner with them. They're one of the missions that we serve and um, that we're involved in, and everything we do is, is certainly appreciated. It's a great thing about supporting local missions. There's uh, not only is there an, an opportunity to express appreciation, but there's also accountability, and uh, I appreciate that Mark sent us that video and we know uh, what they're doing with some of the wonderful things that our kids did during vacation Bible school. And speaking of our kids, we have over the years had uh, just fantastic people that have been a part of our children's ministry. Um, you know, we call it, we call it youth ministry, but um, a few years ago we kind of made a split there just so people don't get confused. And uh, everything that Cody is involved in we call student ministry, uh, and everything in the backyard and in the hallway we call children's ministry, just so it's easier to, to know what we're talking about, I guess, when we put it that way. Um, and uh, over the past five years or so, uh, Laura served in that role with our children's, and she did a fantastic job. Uh, before that, Ben... Uh, served in that role, and, and even Lynn, uh, to a certain extent, served in that role. And uh, they all did just just wonderful. Um, and uh, so it's been appreciated. In the, in the interim between children's ministry uh, ministers, uh, Erica Cottle and Brittany Oglesby have been incredible in donating their time, uh, you know, because they realized that there was a need there. And they stepped up and they said, we'll do what we can, when we can, and how we can. And uh, that's, what, that's what we need. That's what the church is. That's what life is, really. <laughs> that's how we survive. <laughs> Somebody said, hey, look, I'll, I'll do what I can. And, uh, and they were able to do that, so I appreciate that. Recently, um, well, actually, real recently, uh, Ashley has assumed that ministry role full-time. Ashley Carlita Phillips. I just came up with a middle name. You like that one? So Ashley Carlita is our children's minister now. And again, she took on that role full-time, actually only uh, uh, about a week ago. But in the meantime, she's been participating as much as she can. And of course, she leads worship on Sunday morning as well. You guys know her family, Darren and Hannah and Haley and Carter. They've been a part of this church for a while. Uh, but uh, Ashley Carlita wants to share with you uh, a little bit of her story, just so you can get to know her a little bit better. Uh, where she came from, and uh, and what she's excited about. So, Ashley? No, what is it? Marie Faith? That's better than Carlita. I like that. <laughs> okay, so Carlita is not my middle name. <laughs> I actually have two middle names. It's Marie and then Faith, and the reason why is because I was adopted. So, my birth name was Ashley Marie. I don't know the last name, but... When I was adopted, it was Ashley Marie, and they added Faith because my parents um, got me through Faith. And then now I'm married, so Philip. Um, 
So I wanted to share uh, my testimony with you all today just to kind of get to know you. Um, like John said, I started full-time this week, and I don't know each and every one of you, and it's going to take time, um, but I wanted to be able to let you get to know me a little bit, and this was the easiest way to do it. Um, I'll jump around a little bit in my story because it doesn't all go in order, so I apologize. Try to follow. Um, and if you have questions, I'll answer them after service. But let me start by saying in January of this year, I asked God to give me a testimony to be able to share with my church. And let me be the one to tell you to be careful what you ask God for. Because, man, did he give me a testimony. <laughs> um, this year has been the hardest year I have been through in a very long time. To start with a little bit of a backstory, um, my family and I started attending this church back when John first started preaching. Um, now, before we came here, we were in Bell Center, um, and before that, we lived in Florida. So I was born and raised in Florida. Me and my husband and my children were all born in the same hospital, not at the same time, but in the same hospital. Um, I was a beach girl. I loved the beach. Um, you know, I, my daughter was telling me that you need to take better care of your skin lately, and I said, I was a beach bum. We didn't care about our skin, but the, the salt water took care of it. Um, but my husband and I, we helped out in the church. We did a lot of ministry, puppet ministry, uh, creative arts ministry. I used to travel with a breakdance team. Um, we, I was a mime for 12 years, which John cracks up about all the time. Um, it's a really good ministry, and we would travel the state of Florida and uh, work together and just put on things for kids. So I've done things for kids ministry for a very long time. Um, but to come back to here, we were invited to the Breakfast with the Bunny event by some friends who attended here, um, and their child went to preschool with my son. Now I will say that we have the most welcoming congregation, and that's what kept us here part of this body. It wasn't just Sean's great teaching. Um, so please, as a body, keep that up, because you never know what family is going to come through the door next who needs your welcoming um, highs and, and welcome and all that. Um, so our church is not perfect, none are, but we knew this is where God wanted us. I was itching to jump into volunteering. Um, my family and I were part of worship teams for over 12 years at that point, and I couldn't wait to get back into it. But as an excellent husband Darren is, he said, you're going on a six-month roll. And I was like, what is that? He's like, you're not allowed to volunteer for anything for six months um, until we get to know this church and get to know the people. And I will say that was the best decision that he ever made for us uh, because we truly were, at that point, after six months, invested in this church. And so we weren't going anywhere. Um, a few years after attending here, the church decided to hire a children's minister. This is another backstory. At that time of the announcement, um, I had just gotten done with my classes and traveling the U.S. to be a camp director. I had worked for Camp Wesley since 2012, and I knew God was calling me to be the next camp director there. Friends had come to me at the church and said, you should apply for the children's minister position, and I kindly said, no, thank you. I have worked so hard for camp, and I knew God had me there. At that point, Laura became our children's minister, and she was amazing at it. She truly built a strong ministry there, and I'm so thankful for that. For the next five years, I directed Camp Wesley. Camp was so important to me. It was my ministry. I wanted camp to be a place where kids and teens would leave their baggage at the front gate. The labels that the world had given them were torn off at camp. Everyone was equal out there. I was fully invested. God did amazing things out there, and I will forever be grateful to have witnessed that. My whole life revolved around camp. 
We lived there, and it was truly a great experience for our family. Now, in April of this year, John started a series called Storms. One day, I was sitting on a bus and decided I would pick the songs for the worship team for the next two weeks. It takes a lot of planning and preparation for Sunday morning, so I thought I could take that off of Wes's plate for the next two weeks. Little did I know that the songs I had chosen two weeks prior would be exactly what I would be going through at that very time. I had no idea what was going to happen, but God did. A storm in my own life came knocking, and I never saw it coming. On April 25th, I found out my life would be completely turned upside down. That day, our whole world shook. At a meeting that I thought was to continue our discussion on how camp was going to run this past summer, ended up being a meeting where two directors and myself found out that the conference was going to close all three camps and let us all go. Devastated was an understatement. I sat there in shock. I couldn't stop crying. I could not believe this was happening. What was I going to do? Where were we going to live? Our family was not ready for this. I was fully immersed in a storm. That Sunday when we sang the songs, I had picked them out not knowing I needed them, but once again, God did. Of course, I was an emotional wreck, um, but not only does, of course, I was a wreck that day, but not only because of what just happened, but because God was so real in that moment that he reminded me during that worship service that he sees and knows everything. Nothing surprises God. My storm was not fully calm yet, but I trusted that my God could do anything. Now we're going to back up just a little bit. Um, back in January, when it was announced that Laura had decided to step down as the children's minister here, people came to me again and said, hey, you should apply. You'd be great at that. I kindly reminded them that I was a camp director, and I loved my job. God called me to this every month from January to May. Someone different in this church came to me and said, hey, you should apply. You would be great at that. And I remember the evening on February 16th, Darren and I went out to, to dinner with John and Ashley in Columbus, and John sat there and said, you know, we still need a camp director. I mean, we, you know, we still need a, a um, children's minister. And I said, John, you know, I'm still a camp director, and I love it. Shortly after I had told, um, but sorry, once again, uh, Darren, or not Darren, <laughs> God had bigger plans. I was getting really tired of hearing that question. Um, the day that we found out, I let many friends know, and I think it was a couple days later that I let John know what was happening um, at camp. So shortly after I told him, he tiptoed around and said, you know, we still need a ch children's director. And I was like, <sighs> I'm like, my whole life just turned upside down. I don't want to hear that question. I was getting annoyed. Um, I sat with it for a little while, and God started working in my heart. I let my wall down, and I started to seek out what God wanted for my life. I finally started listening. Instead of trying to control my own life, God was trying to tell me something. This is where he wanted me to be. So I picked up the phone call and told John. I said, well, I guess I'm supposed to apply for this position. That had to, I had to humble myself. Um, I met with John, and then I met with the elders. Lots of prayer and trust went into all of this. When I got the call that I was being offered um, from the elders the position, my heart was truly filled with joy. I get to continue in ministry. I get to continue to be a part of people's lives being changed. It felt so freeing to be in God's path for my life. And God has been so good to my family and I. 
and it still amazes me how much it, he lined up. The house that we were able to get, I'm still in shock over that. We are so blessed by our friends who helped us move, others who came in and painted when I wasn't even home. Your kindness is a true testament to who God is, one who cares about every aspect of your life. Sometimes you see me up here on the stage get emotional when leading worship. It's not because I'm sad or upset or something. It's because I'm truly amazed at our God. I don't praise God because of my circumstances. I praise God because of his reputation. The one we serve and give our lives to daily. The same God who sent his son to die for us. We didn't deserve it. We don't earn it. And he freely gave it to us. That's what I'm in awe of. I had so many what ifs in my life this past year. But I realized what is. Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God. He is not anxiously pacing the floors of heaven wondering what will happen or will this happen or will that happen. He tells in Philippians chapter 4 to think whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent. Think on these things. Why? Because when you ground yourself on the what ifs, on the truths, on the pure things, if you ground yourself on what is, God wants to cultivate your heart with that. Then what ifs begin to leave. He says that in this world you will have trouble, which I had a lot of trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So if Jesus is in your boat, which is what John was talking about in April, it doesn't matter what the storm looks like. He's got it. He says, peace be still and it's calm. I wanted to share my story with you this morning so you could understand why I decided to be in this ministry here. But if you only receive one thing out of my story, receive this. There is a God who cares so much about every little detail of your life. God wants to use the resilience that came out of that one season that you thought you wouldn't survive, but you did. God is saying, I want to use your character that came out of the season where, you're, where you had integrity when nobody else was looking. God wants to use the humility that came out of the season where nothing went the way you wanted, but you surrounded you surrendered to God, and you trusted God, and you relied on God's power and not your own. God is saying, everything the enemy wanted to use for evil, I want to use for good. Jesus wants to use who you really are in your real story. Yes, even the messy parts where he had to rescue you, because that's what he's going to show other people, that he can come into their real lives and rescue them too. I am a living testimony that God is real and can rescue you too. You just have to open your heart. Thank you, Ashley. Um, I'm excited uh, about what Ashley is going to do and different um, once she really gets her arms around everything um, and what she's going to teach and where she's going to lead. I, I do know this, that, that she loves this type of calling uh, throughout her life. This, is, this has been a focus for her and her family. Um, it's not until we become a part of it sometimes that we realize what all goes in to, you know, ministering in the church and so forth. And I know sometimes that can be a bit of a shock. Um, but I'm excited about that. I, I'm excited about other things. Let's face it. 
I'm excited about seeing if she can still break dance in mime. <laughs> I would love that day. That's right. So that's coming up one of these days. Let me ask you a question. You sure you want to be here? Are you a good spouse? Good wife, good husband? Are you faithful? Are you loving? Are you forgiving? Are you strong when your spouse is not? Are you a good spouse? It's a song um, called A Ghost in This House. It's a, it's a bluegrass song. I've heard it before. And the song talks about two people that say that they are married to one another, but they're really not. They're just existing together, just existing together in the same vicinity. And it ends up um, breaking the hearts of, of the two people involved. And uh, they describe themselves as just ghosts in this house. Uh, today, I want to talk very briefly, very briefly, about Hosea, the prophet Hosea. And it is, I'll just warn you, it's strange. It's a little odd when you, when you read this story. But you also see a, an incredible love from Hosea, an incredible submission to God, you also see an <laughs> just an amazing love from God for you, me, the people of Israel, uh, just this incredible love that he pours out to them. So a lot of this stuff is going to be on your screen, and we're going we're gonna to kind of summarize the entire book. So you could turn to Hosea, but, but we won't be going verse by verse in that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the love that you've given us. I thank you, Father, that we get to hear a little bit about Ashley's story, and I thank you that she's a part of this church and her family's a part of this church. I thank you also, Father, that we can be, um, we can be confronted today about how we treat you and, so, and how you treat us. So, Father, I ask that you'll help us to take all of these things into our heart and into our life to adjust, to change, to transform the way we see you because we know you see us with incredible love. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're in Hosea, but I want to start this off with the revelation that Jesus gave. John, Revelation 19, let us rejoice. This is near the very end of the revelation of Christ. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. That is, give Jesus glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me in verse 9, write this, Blessed are those who, in, who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. The bride, that is the bride of Jesus. That's you and me. That's the church. That's the people who have accepted the truth of Christ. He is the groom. We are the bride, and he loves his bride. Matter of fact, Scripture says that he gave himself up for her. 
gave himself up for her. He, he, he became nothing in the likeness of a servant so that he might build up, lift up, save, glorify even his bride, the church. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at something like that, I realize that that's not something that I have earned. In any way that I have earned Jesus becoming nothing in order to build me up and lift me up and save me and bless me and glorify me. It's not based upon me. It's not based upon what I've done. It's not based upon whether or not I've earned it. It's based upon who Jesus is and what he chooses to do. I'm going to show love to you. That's what a covenant is, by the way. What God says to the Israelites, I'm going to show you what love looks like. Even if you don't get it, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't reciprocate it, I'm making the decision to do it. It has nothing to do with whether or not you've earned it. This is what I'm going to do. Wedding is a wonderful thing. The holy mystery, I think, of two becoming one. There are good weddings and there are not so good weddings. Some weddings that go according to plan. Most that don't, right? You've been there. There's a lot of things happening. I, I've, I tell you, I've experienced weddings that just, you just work like clockwork. And I've experienced other weddings. I thought halfway through, you know what, why don't we just start over? Let's just, let's just go back to the beginning, re rewind this whole thing, we'll just do it again. And those are weddings. Those are weddings. Some ceremonies kind of over the top, some ceremonies very subdued, some that are beautiful. But a wedding is certainly a great thing. It's usually fun, you know, the whining and dining and dancing. But then everybody leaves, and now it's time for the marriage, right? There's the wedding ceremony, and then everybody goes home, and it's just two of you staring at each other, and you realize it's time for the marriage. This is where life begins. This is where life changes. And that takes a while. Takes a while to adjust to those things. That's where you really begin to discover that two can become one. So the question is, what kind of a spouse are you? What kind of husband? What kind of wife? Certainly, if Christ is the groom, do we abandon our spouse? Or are we faithful to our spouse? I wonder how many of us are unfaithful to our spouse. Certainly, unfaithful to the groom, Jesus. Usually in the mind in the heart, usually in love shown to others, how faithful we the bride are to the groom. Look, God chose to have a special relationship. He chose to have a special relationship. This is what the whole Old Testament's about with Abraham. Abraham honored God. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so God made the decision, I'm going to have a special relationship, enter into a covenant with you, Abraham, and I'm going to show you and your entire family incredible love. Doesn't have anything to do with how they treat me, but I'm going to show them incredible love. God chose to bless him greatly. Hosea. We get to Hosea. This is many, many years after God chose to bless Abraham. I'm going to abbreviate this a little bit as we go through it. God wants to convey to the Israelites what they have done to him in Hosea and how far they have fallen 
from loving him, at least expressing, experiencing, and truly reacting to this incredible love. He wants to convey to them how saddened he is by their idolatry, and he wants them to be corrected. So he sends Hosea. Hosea is sent, we're going sort of backwards in time through this whole series. So Hosea is sent before the Assyrians come down and wipe out the northern tribes of Israel. He's sent before, of course, the Babylonians come in and and overtake Judah in the south. He's sent quite a long time before all of this is happening, about 60 years before Assyria comes in, about 180 years before Judah falls. God's giving this group of people His bride, His love. He's giving them ample time to say, look at your life. Why are you being unfaithful to your spouse? God's love for an idolatrous nation of Israel is displayed in a very rich metaphor that we see here. Now, Hosea is prophesying about the same time Amos and Micah and Isaiah are prophesying. This book is written to remind the Israelites and us that ours is a loving loving God, and He is loyal to His covenant people. There's the Old Covenant, Old Testament, New Covenant, New Testament. We are a covenant people as well, and that love is unwavering. The church is God's covenant people, and in spite of Israel's continually turning to false gods, God's steadfast love is portrayed throughout this story and throughout this prophecy. God tells Hosea in chapter 1, it gets weird right off the bat, church, okay? Here we go. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So she married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. We know that Hosea knows that this lady's going to run around on him. The Bible doesn't say that she already had a reputation for this, but we know that Hosea has been told this. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. If she did have a reputation for this, this would be quite a scandal in that time and in that day. It would be quite a scandal today. You're not going to get mixed up with her, are you, Hosea? Well, look, if that's what you think, listen to the point of God's message here. I want to jump all the way to chapter 3. This is Hosea speaking. The Lord said to me, and this is what she does. She ends up walking out on Hosea. She ends up getting into a lot of trouble, even in rings of prostitution. She ends up being sold as a a uh, sex slave. Many bad things happen to this woman that Hosea has married because she doesn't care. She doesn't care about him. She doesn't care about these incredible, this incredible union. She certainly doesn't care about the things and the love that Hosea is choosing to show to her. In chapter 3, we find this. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man, and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her. Key in on this. I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about an omer and a lethic of barley. 
Then I told her, you are to live with me for many days. You must not be a prostitute, be intimate with another man, and I will behave the same way towards you. Redeemed. What does it mean to redeem something? We, we say that Jesus redeems us to buy back, to buy back. I'm going to purchase back the object of my love. How does Jesus do it? Jesus does it with his own life. I'm going to give you my life. And that's the cost. That's the purchase price to buy you back. Even though in this day and in this life, in a previous life, before knowing Christ, you've been unfaithful to your creator, Jesus says, I'm still buying you back. And when Jesus buys you back, nobody else can take you. Nobody else can take you. I've used the example many times. Uh, you've heard this of, of people who would buy slaves from the south, right? They would purchase. People from the north would buy slaves to set them free. Why? Because if they ran away, then they could be sent back. They could be caught. But people gave up their fortunes to buy people so that they could not be taken back and then set them free. That's what Jesus does for you and me. This is what Jesus tells Hosea to do for this woman. She has gone so far astray, and yet I want you to show love and free her. And this is what Hosea does. What's he trying to tell the Israelites? This is the way you've been acting towards me. You've been unfaithful. I provided you everything that you need. I've provided, I've given you a special and sacred covenant. I chose your family. I chose Abraham out of all people of the world. Not only to have a special covenant with you, but ultimately for Jesus the Christ to come out of this line. And yet, you don't care. Ephesians chapter 1. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. That he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Jesus Christ to be put into effect when the time reached fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Originally, she was unfaithful by her own choosing. Now she is in bondage, and God directs Hosea, go redeem her. Why do, we, why do we do this? Why do, why do we read about the minor prophets? Why do we read about all of these things that happen in the Old Testament? Why do we read about failure after failure, moral failure after moral failure throughout the Old Testament? <clears throat> yes, number one, we can learn what not to do. That's, that's a good, good thing. But number two, we see from the very beginning to the very end... God's faithfulness played out over and over and over and over again. 
to a group of people who thumb their nose at him, who say, I want what I want, and I don't care who you are, regardless of the incredible love that you've shown me. What does God do? He says, I'm not going to stop loving my kids. I'm going to be the spouse that you're not. And I'm going to be faithful even when you're not. That's the God we serve. That's Christ. That I'm going to choose to love you, and I'm going to choose to love you all the way to the cross, and I'm going to take you into that promised land. That's the Jesus you give your life to. I've told you the gospel message is the gospel of freedom. Yeah, in the process, we talk about love. We talk about forgiveness. We talk about all these things. But what does Jesus want to do? He wants to set us free from sin, from death, from fear, from confusion, from not knowing what happens after you die. He wants that peace in your life. Not only does he want peace in your life, he wants other people to say and ask, why do you have such peace? <laughs> Let me tell you. Because I've been redeemed. I've been bought back. And I've been saved by Jesus. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me <laughs> that you think you're good enough to be saved by Jesus? Nope. And that's the whole point. I'm not good enough to be saved by Jesus. He saves me anyway. He tells Hosea, go buy your wife back so you can set her free. He reminds the Israelites, I don't want you acting this way. Why? For your own good. For your own good. So the question is, are you a ghost in this union? Are you a ghost in the house? You know, there's a point in, Isaiah, in Hosea chapter 6 where God tells the Israelites, look, I want mercy I want to provide mercy for you, and I want you to provide mercy for others. On top of that, he says, not just mercy. He says, I want acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. I want you to join in this marriage. I want you to join in and live together in this union. Not to be running around. Not to be doing things that ought not be done, thinking things that ought not be thought. But to understand that God is a loving God and he is the groom and we are the bride. Are you a good spouse? Do you want your husband, your wife to treat you the way you treat Jesus? Is the answer yes? Is the answer no? I guarantee you, you want your husband, your wife to treat you the way Jesus treats you. I guarantee that. Love, forgiveness, kindness, courage, strength, giving himself up completely for the object of his love. That's Hosea. Starts weird, ends pretty cool. Starts strange, ends pretty cool. We get to see the true character of the God you get to serve, you get to belong to, and you get to be a part of. And that carries on clear through the New Testament. Well, it's 1032. I clearly had a lot more to go on this. We're going to stop there today. I appreciate Ashley being a part of this. And I appreciate her sharing her testimony.
later on, church, I want you to be here next week and the week after. Well, I want you to be here every week. But next week and the week after, we're going to combine Haggai and Malachi. All right? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to piggyback on what we just talked about. Haggai is there to remind the you and me, right? That's the temple. Haggai says, why have you stopped building the temple? And then Malachi comes along years later and says, all right, you've completed the temple. Why are you defiling it? Why are you defiling the temple? We're going to put those two things together over the next two weeks, so I encourage you to be here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for for just a, a stark message of the love of God, the faithfulness of God, even when we mess up. We thank you that Jesus saves us, that he loves his bride, that he has redeemed us. And yes, Father, we don't don't deserve it. We acknowledge that. But we also realize it's not about who we are. It's about who you are. It's about this love that you choose to show. Father, we ask that we help reciprocate gratitude because of that, that we do honor you, that we do glorify you, that we do simply thank you, that we walk through life together, that we include you in the conversations and the decisions, that we become the spouse we want to be, and we become the spouse we want our spouse to be. Father, thank you for this incredible book of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing.
you to read through Hosea and again it is it is a little strange when you first read it's not the strangest thing you're going to find in scripture right I mean we got people coming back from the dead we got people walking on water we got people parting the Red Sea we got angels we got demons we got fire in the sky we got all kinds of stuff it's it's a good read you ought to sit down with it one time it's a good read the point is this that sometimes we are unfaithful. And certainly, before we accept the truth of who Jesus is, we live a life of being unfaithful to our Creator. And Jesus buys us back anyway. He buys us with His own life. This is the kind of thing that you and I need to remember when we talk about worship and praise, when we talk about gratitude, and yes, when we talk about forgiveness and obedience. Remember who the groom is. Are you a good spouse or are you not? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him, for him giving his life for us. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, that you are faithful even when we are not. But that's not an excuse. And so we ask that you will help us to be faithful. You will give us the strength, the courage, the perseverance, the wisdom. Father, give us the humility that we need to honor who you are and what you are because we know that that is for your glory but it's for our good for our own good that we might do these things in Jesus name amen well that was Mark giving us an update on uh, how they are using the resources uh, that this church provided for them during VBS. During VBS, not this past time, but a year ago. Um, and they're putting it to work the way they said they were going to, and, and there's more people that are listening to Rise FM than, than were before the church gave. Uh, so that's a pretty cool thing. It's a neat thing to support local ministry like that and local missions like that. Not only do you have a, a chance to express gratitude um there's also accountability i mean that's the fun thing you can go down down by the dairy queen walk in the door and talk to mark say hey how are things going uh you know go for it don't be me different be polite or don't tell him you know me if you wanted to you know that's fine uh but go down and do that um over the years we have had uh great just wonderful people who have been a part of our children's ministry. Uh, many of you know and you're familiar with Laura's time uh, ministering to our kids and setting up, uh, you know, just wonderful things there in the hallway in the backyard. 
Um, what we did a, a few years ago, about five or six years ago, and you're familiar with youth ministry, it's kind of what people say, uh, but what we did was we kind of made a distinction between uh, what Cody does and what is done in the hallway in the backyard. Hallway and backyard is children's ministry, and Cody's ministry is called student ministry. The reason we do that is simply because it's easier to know what you're talking about uh, when you're talking about the various areas of ministry. Uh, so we talked about children's ministry when we talked about the things that Laura did and the, the ways in which she, she served in wonderful, wonderful ways. Uh, ben served in that area as well as other areas over the years, even before Laura. Uh, Lynn served uh, in, that, <clears throat> in that area for a time. Uh, wonderful people that have done wonderful things. Uh, in between <clears throat> uh, our, the, our past children's minister and future children's minister, in between Eric Cottle and uh, Brittany Oglesby, uh, filled in. We owe them a great debt of gratitude, by the way, uh, to fill that gap and to say, hey, we will serve where we can, how we can, and when we can. Um, we'll do what we, th that's life. I mean, that's just the way life works. That's the way, that's the way the world keeps spinning. There's people saying, you know what? I'll do what I can <laughs> when I can to help out. Uh, and that's, that's what life is built on. Uh, so they did that, and um, wonderful things, just a group of wonderful people that have, that have done that. Um, and now, now, starting this past week, officially full-time, was Ashley. Ashley Phillips taking over the reins of children's ministry. I was unaware of Ashley's middle name. So we invented one last, last service which I think is nice, <laughs> Ashley Carlita Phillips, um, or maybe Carla from Cheers, you know, something like that, kind of attitude, I don't know, uh, but that's not really her middle name. Anyway, she's serving now full-time as our children's minister, uh, children's minister, children's director, a thousand different hands going, you know, different ways, um, and uh, she's been doing that, actually, as much as she can over the past couple of months, but officially now it is full-time. So as we kick that off, just so you are aware and you get to know her a little bit more, she wants to talk to you a little bit about her, her story. Um, it's easy for, just bear this in mind, please, it's easy for many people in a church, you know, when everybody's here, when everybody's here is about 430 people, Okay. It's easy for people to say, you know, I know Ashley, she ought to know me, right? Because she's up here and it, many times, and it's just one person you're looking at, right? Well, from here, you're looking at 150 people, right? And so just keep that in mind as, as we go through this ministry, as she gets to know parents and she gets to know kids and things like that. She'll talk about that a little bit too. So, Ashley? Thank you for that new lovely middle name. I'll get that changed my license here. <laughs> um, so my real middle name is Marie and Faith. I have two, I have two middle names, and that was because I was adopted at age three. Uh, and so when I was born, it was Ashley Marie, and then when I was adopted, my mom said Ashley Marie Faith because they received me in faith. 
So I want to tell you a little bit about me so you could get to know me. Um, some of you know me really well, some are new, and I don't know you yet. Um, but just a little bit of a backstory. My husband and I, we moved here um, from Florida. We were all born and raised in Florida on the East Coast. We were all born in the same hospital, me and my husband and my three children, not at the same time, but within the same hospital. <laughs> um, and we loved Florida. We loved our church down there. We were involved in ministry for a long time. Um, we used to travel and do puppetry. Um, my husband is a platinum winning puppeteer, in case you didn't know that about him. Um, I'm a gold winning mime. I was a mime for 12 years. And um, I also used to break dance with the team. We travel and, and do ministry. Uh, so break dance, mime, and puppetry uh, was all of my core specialties. They're not anymore. I'm a little older. <laughs> so please don't ask me to show you because it might hurt. Um, but, you know, we've been in ministry for a long time, and so we just, we love being a part of the church and part of the church body. Um, but I wanted to share my testimony of what has happened within the last year. Um, I will start off by saying that in January, I said, God, can you give me something to say to the church? You know, you have your testimony when you get saved, but I wanted something fresh. I wanted, you know, I said, God, give me something to say uh, to my church family. And I will start by saying, be careful what you ask God for, okay? Because he will surely give you a testimony. Uh, this year has been one of the hardest years uh, we have been through in a very long time. <clears throat> My family and I started attending this church back when John started. Uh, we were invited to the Breakfast with the Bunny event. So as much as I'm not fond of that event, that event is very important. Um, we were invited by some friends who their child went to preschool with Carter. And I will say that our congregation is the most welcoming I've ever been to. So please keep that up because you never know what family or person will come through those doors who needs somebody to welcome them in. We stayed. I, I think we're good here. <laughs> Hopefully. You guys still like us. <laughs> um, our church is not perfect. None are. Uh, we knew that God wanted us here, though. I was itching to jump right into volunteering as soon as I walked through those doors. Uh, my family and I were part of worship teams for over 12 years at that point, and I couldn't wait to get back into it. But as excellent as my husband is, he said, you're going on a six-month rule. And I said, six months? What does that mean? He goes, you are not allowed to volunteer for anything for six months. And I was like, oh, no. But it was the greatest thing that we ever did because I got to know you guys. I got to know the church. I got to know John, and we were fully invested. So by that point, we were not going anywhere. Um, <clears throat> a few years after attending here, the church decided to hire a children's minister. At that time of that announcement, that very moment, I had just finished traveling the U.S. to get my camp directorship. I was going to be a camp director. Um, I had worked for Camp Wesley since 2012, and I knew that God was calling me to be the next director there. Friends had come to me at church and said, which you guys may not remember this, those of you who came to me, but they said, hey, why don't you apply for that? You'd be great at it. And I kindly said, no, thank you. I just spent two years of my life working to be a camp director. This is what God had called me to be. Um, so at that point, Laura took over. And man, did she create an incredible children's ministry, and I am so thankful for that. Uh, she truly built a strong foundation back there. And for the next five years, she was the children's minister, and I directed Camp Wesley, and we worked along with each other. She'd come out to camp and do my gardening, and I would feed her family dinner, and it was just a great transaction. 
Um, I wanted to work at camp so badly. I wanted it to be a place where kids and teens would leave their baggage at the front gate. Uh, the labels that the world had given them were torn off at camp, and everyone was equal out there. I was fully invested, and God did amazing things out there, and I will be forever grateful to have witnessed that. My whole life revolved around that camp, though. We lived there, and it was truly a great experience for our family, but some things were not always that great. Um, in April of this year, John started a series called Storms. One day I was sitting on a bus because, along with other jobs that I have, I also drive a bus. Um, I drive a school bus, I drive a party bus, but we'll get there another day. Um, and so being on the worship team, it takes a lot of planning. And so I thought, you know, Wes does a lot. He's a farmer and a worship leader. And I thought, I'll just give him two weeks off and I'll give him, you know, a list of, of songs uh, to play. And little did I know that within two weeks, I would myself would be going through exactly what the songs that I had picked. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen, but God did. A storm in my own life came knocking, and I never saw it coming. On April 25th, I found out my life would be completely turned upside down. That day, our whole world shook. At a meeting in, in Columbus that I thought was going to continue the discussion of how our summer camps were going to run, ended up being a meeting where two directors and myself were all let go, and the conference let us know that they were closing the camps. Devastated is an understatement. I sat there in shock. I couldn't stop crying. I could not believe that this was happening. What was I going to do? Where was I going to live? Our family was not ready for this. I was fully immersed in a storm that Sunday when we sang those songs. I had picked them out of not knowing I needed them, but once again, God did. Of course, I was an emotional wreck that day, but not only because of what had just happened, but because God was so real in that moment that he reminded me during that worship service that he sees and knows everything. Nothing surprises God. My storm was not fully calm yet, but I trusted that my God could do anything. So back in January, when it was announced that Laura had decided to step down as the children's minister here, people came to me and said, hey, you should apply. You would be great at that. I kindly reminded them I was a camp director and I loved my job. God called me to this. Every month from January to May, someone different came to me and said, hey, you should apply for that. You would be great. I remember the evening of February 16th, there and I went out to dinner with John and Ashley and Columbus, and John sat there and said, you know, we still need a children's minister. And I said, John, you know, I'm still a camp director. And I love my job. I asked Darren, why do people keep asking me this? They all know how much I love camp. I would never leave. Be mindful that any conversation I have with people was always about camp. I loved camp. Everything I poured into was about camp. So once again, God had bigger plans. I was just not listening. I let our friends know what was happening, and John was part of that. Shortly after I told him about the camp closing and me losing my job, he tiptoed around and said, you know, we still need a children's director. I was so annoyed. <laughs> I was like, I just lost my job. I'm losing my house. Where are we going to go? It, being children's ministry was not in my cards. Well, I let my wall down. And I started to seek out what God wanted for my life. I finally started listening. Instead of trying to control my own life, God was trying to tell me something. This is where he wanted me to be. 
So I picked up the phone, I called John, I said, well, I guess I'm supposed to apply for this position. I met with John and I met with the elders through lots of prayer and trust and continuing to really make sure this is what he wanted. I got the call that I was accepted. I was going to be the next children's minister. The joy that filled my heart at that moment was incredible because I knew exactly what God wanted me to do. This, this was it. There's no, there's no arguing with God. There's really not. It felt so freeing to be in God's path for my life. God has been so good to my family, and it still amazes me how much he has lined up. The house that we were able to get in, I am still in shock over that. We are so blessed by our friends who helped us move, ones who come in and paint when we're not even there, Jocelyn and Laura. Who are you? I mean, we are so blessed. Your kindness is a true testament to our God and who he is one who cares about every aspect of your life. Sometimes you see me get emotional on the stage when leading worship, and that's not because I'm sad or upset. It's because I'm truly amazed at our God. I don't praise God because of my circumstances. I praise God because of his reputation. The one we serve and give our lives to daily, the same God who sent his son to die for us, we didn't deserve it. We don't earn it. He freely gave it to us. That's what I'm in awe of. I had so many what-ifs this year in my life, but I realized what is. Jesus is seated at the right hand at the throne of God. He is not anxiously pacing the floors of heaven wondering what if this happens or what if that happens. He tells us in Philippians chapter 4 to think whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is pure. Think on these things. Why? Because when you ground yourself on the what-is, on the truths, of the pure things that God wants us to cultivate your heart with, then the what-ifs begin to leave. He says that in this world you will have trouble, which I had a lot of trouble this past year, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So if Jesus is in your boat, it doesn't matter what the storm looks like, he's got it. He says, peace be still, and it is calm. I wanted to share my story with you this morning so you could understand why I decided to be in this ministry here. But if you only receive one thing out of my story this morning, receive this. There is a God who cares so much about every detail of your life. God wants to use the resilience that came out of that one season that you thought you wouldn't survive, but you did. God is saying, I want to use your character that came out of that season where you had integrity when nobody else was looking God wants to use the humility that came out of the season where nothing went the way you wanted, but you surrendered to God, and you trusted God, and you relied on God's power and not your own. God is saying, everything the enemy wanted to use for evil, I want to use for good. And Jesus wants to use who you really are, your real story, yes, even the messy parts where he had to rescue you, because that's what he's going to use to show other people how he can come into their real lives and rescue them too. I'm a living testimony that God is real and can rescue you too. You have to just open up your heart and receive him. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley.
I wonder how often in life we would ever get the chance to ask someone, so, so what are your hobbies? What are you into? And the response is breakdancing. <laughs> Mime. And puppetry. <laughs> you know, I think all of God's creation is unique, Ashley. But you take that definition a whole new level. Just a whole new level. I like it. I like it. I truly, in all seriousness, I don't think I will ever meet another person who would give that answer in, in my whole life, which is pretty cool, I think, you know cool. I, how are we defining cool now? So I've got a few minutes and I want to ask you a, a difficult question. Um, we chuckled, but you're not going to chuckle over this one. The question is this, are you a good spouse? If you're married, obviously, are you a good spouse? It occurred to me last service that uh, when it comes to a relationship between two people, um, you ought to be able to answer that question uh, because I'm up here asking the question and I don't know what I would say and, and I don't like that. I don't like that. I think that's being irresponsible. I ought to be able to answer that question. Um, but, but, the question is a little bigger than that, a little broader than that, when I ask, are you a good spouse? There's, there's a song, that's a bluegrass song, um, I don't remember what artist sings it, but it talks about being a ghost in the house, it talks about a relationship between two people, uh, husband and wife, and they're not, they say that they are married to one another, but they don't share life together. They're just, they're just passing, they're just existing in the same area together. And they refer to each other as ghosts in that house. And it, it, it's very hard, very sad, very trying on the emotional well-being of each person. And certainly it's a strain on this relationship. And they even wonder if there is a relationship there, a ghost in this house. My question to you is, are you a good spouse or are you just a ghost in the house? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the lesson that we can be challenged with today. We ask, Father, that you will help us reflect upon our heart, our life, our mind, to take this seriously. We ask, Father, that we will address things that sometimes we don't want to address. Um, that we will look at uh, our spouse and we will know that we are good spouses. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with, well, you don't have to turn. I'm going to talk about Hosea, and it's going to be an abbreviated lesson. So you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. We're going to go through some verses, and these are going to be on your screen. Hosea is a strange book. It's a strange letter or a strange prophecy. Uh, we'll find out here in a minute uh, why it's so strange, but it shows an incredible love that God has for you, has for me, and has for the people of Israel. Um, I want to start out, though, in the revelation that, J that Jesus gives to John. In Revelation 19, again, this will be on your screen. Let us rejoice 
and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Verse 9, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Jesus is the groom. You are the bride. If you've accepted his hand in marriage. There's a lot of people who don't accept his hand in marriage, right? There's a lot of people who don't accept his hand in marriage. But there are those who do. And if you do, you are the bride of Christ. And again, I ask you, are you a good spouse? Do we honor Jesus? Do we treat Jesus the way Jesus treats us? Do we love Jesus the way Jesus loves us? Look, a wedding is a wonderful thing. I truly believe that your best description of baptism is a wedding ceremony. A wedding's a great thing. The holy mystery of two becoming one. There are good weddings and there are not so good weddings. There's over-the-top ceremonies and there's rather subdued ceremonies. There's ceremonies that seem to play out perfectly and then there's the majority of wedding ceremonies that don't play out the way you plan. That's just the way it goes. But a wedding is a great thing. And you know the way it usually goes. There's usually a lot of fun, the whining, the dining, and the dancing. But then everybody goes home. And the marriage begins. Everybody goes home. It's just the two of you staring at each other. And now you find out what it means for two to become one. What kind of spouse are you, husband, wife? Are we loving? Are we patient? Are we forgiving? Do we abandon our spouse? Church, you can abandon your spouse and still live in the same house. I wonder how many of us are unfaithful. I wonder how many of us are unfaithful in our hearts, our minds. Our spouse that we talk to, our spouse, Jesus, how faithful we are as a bride to the groom. You know, God chose to have a very special relationship with Abraham. Out of all the people in the world, God chose to have a special relationship with Abraham. That's covenant, by the way. Covenant is, I'm going to choose to show you love, Abraham. Abraham was righteous. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteous. He wasn't perfect, but he believed God. And God chose to bless him and his family tremendously throughout time and throughout history. Many years later, we get to Hosea. And again, I'm abbreviating this story a little bit. God wants to convey in the prophecy by Hosea, wants to convey to the Israelites what they have done to him, how far they have fallen away from this union, and how saddened he is by their idolatry. They're worshiping idols, participating in Baal and Molech, and all this ridiculous nonsense we, we read and we find in Scripture. They are running around on God, if you will. And God's going to correct them. I mean, that's what the minor prophets are about, right? We've talked about that at length. So he sends Hosea. Hosea is sent. We've been going back in time. So Hosea is sent long before the Assyrians come down and wipe out the northern tribes of Israel. He's, of course, sent before the Babylonians come in and take over 
the southern tribes of Judah. He's sent about 60 years before all of this begins to happen, about 180 years before Babylon actually comes in and totally takes out Judah. So there is ample time, right? This isn't the day before. There is time after time after time that God is talking to his bride and saying, why are you being unfaithful? Look at what I have done. Look at what I have given. Look at, look at what I chose. Hosea is prophesying about the same time as Amos, Micah, Isaiah, those guys that are walking around too. Hosea is written to remind the Israelites and us that ours is a loving God whose loyalty to his covenant people is absolutely unwavering. The church, of course, is a covenant people, Old Testament, Old Covenant, New Testament, New Covenant. You can replace the word testament with covenant if you wish. The church is also a covenant people. In spite of Israel's continually turning to false gods, God's love is portrayed through long-suffering and steadfast faithfulness in the life of Israel and certainly in the life of you and me. God tells Hosea, Hosea chapter 1, you talk about an abbreviated version. Here we go. You ready for this? <coughs> Hosea chapter 1. I told you this gets weird right off the bat. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer and she received and bore, or she conceived and bore him a son. Now, if you're picturing Gomer Pyle, I, I, I would too, but, but it is lady's name uh, from, from old time. So he does. First of all, that's an incredible sign of, of Hosea's character. God says do, and he says okay. That is not only submission, you've got to have some kind of core strength about you to know who you are and what you are. When God says to do something like that, and you say, all right, you're the boss, let's go. It speaks incredible volumes about Hosea's character. We know that Hosea knows that she's going to run around on him. Okay, the Bible doesn't say that she already had a reputation for this. Maybe she didn't, maybe she did. And if she did, this would have been quite the scandal. People would have known this, they would have seen this, they would have woken up to this. They would have said, hold on there, Jose, uh, Hosea, you don't want to get mixed up with her, right? You don't want to get, you don't want to get tied up in all this. I mean, think about this. Do you really want to marry this woman who has this bad reputation, I mean, maybe, maybe you should just leave her alone. Maybe you should just go and walk away. Hold on a second, <laughs> because God's showing this nation exactly what they're doing, exactly what they're doing to him. I'm going to jump all the way to chapter 3. The Lord said to me, go and show your love to your wife again. What has happened? God is trying to reveal to Israel that you are being unfaithful in your hearts, your minds, the way you act, the way you treat people. You claim my name. You pretend as though we live in the same house, but you and I have nothing to do with one another. How do I look at that, says God? You're running around on me. That's what you're doing. You're unfaithful. Matter of fact, what I ought to do, what I could do, perhaps what I should do, what many others would do, is kick you to the curb. 
Because not only are you hurting yourself, you're making me look bad. When people do this to one another. But what does God say to Hosea? He says, now I want you to go and show love your wife again. What has happened? She has gone so far away from this marriage that she ends up being put in bondage. She ends up being put in bondage, ending up selling herself, essentially, into prostitution. She now has a master and owner that is not her husband. She is owned. And so what does Hosea do? Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Key in on this. So I bought her. You know what redemption is? Redemption is to buy back. Buy back. You know what Jesus did for you? He redeemed you. He redeemed you. He bought you back. And what was the price? The price here, the price here is 15 shekels of silver and some barley. What was the price that Jesus paid to buy you back? His life. That's what your spouse does for you. He made himself nothing that you might be lifted up, exalted, even glorified. So if my spouse is going to treat me that way, I ask you again, are you a good spouse? Do you honor, worship? Do you express the gratitude that you ought to express? I'll tell you, if you're anything like me, there are days, there are seasons of life, I stand there and I say yes, and then there's days and seasons of life I hang my head in shame. And I don't know why we do that. Because you serve an incredible spouse, gave his life for you. Verse 3, then I told her, you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute, be intimate with any other man. And I will behave the same way toward you. Isn't it fascinating that he calls upon his bride but does not demand anything that he's not willing to do? And that's the same thing Jesus does for you and me. Same thing. Jesus doesn't say, go there. Jesus says, follow me there. That's the way he lives. That's his character. Redemption. Buying back. Apparently this woman was so unfaithful that she got trapped. It's a tragedy, frankly, that happens even today. The point is this. Originally she was unfaithful by her own choosing and now she is in bondage and God directs Hosea to buy her back. It's the same thing that he does time after time after time for the Israelites throughout the Old Testament. It's the same thing he does person after person after person in the New Testament that accepts his hand. He says, I'm going to give my life for you. Why do we have this? Why do we have all of these stories? Why do we have these prophecies? Why do we have this, this whole story of Abraham's family? Yeah, we're setting the stage for the coming Christ, but we're also seeing God's faithfulness even when we're not. God's faithfulness even when we're not. And don't think for a second that that's an excuse to not be faithful. You don't understand any of this if you think that's an excuse. It is to draw us back for His glory, but for our good. For our good to draw us back into this union. Ephesians chapter 1, in Him we have redemption through His blood. 
We have, we have been bought back, purchased back for life, to be set free, redeemed through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the time comes to reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We've been purchased to be set free. How many times do we say, I get tired of, I get tired of repeating myself, church. The gospel message is about freedom. We get there through an expression of love by forgiveness. But it's about freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from anger, freedom from rage, freedom from pride, freedom from not thinking that you have any worth or any value. Jesus says, I want to set you free from all of that nonsense. I'm going to buy you back to set you free. And I'm going to love you and I'm going to give myself up for you. We respond to this by faithfulness. And what is that faithfulness? That faithfulness is our expression of gratitude. We're told that is your true and proper worship. This faithfulness to God. Church has always been referred to as the bride of Christ. I like what Paul says to the Corinthians. I hope you'll put up with me. He's using some sarcasm in his letter. He says, I hope you'll put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, put up with me just a little bit better, a little bit more. Verse 2, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The book of Hosea, I'm at 1205 already, assures us of God's unconditional love of his people. But it's also a picture of how God is dishonored by the ones who profess his name. How can a child who's given an abundance of love, mercy, or grace treat a father with so much disrespect? How can a spouse treat their other spouse with so much disrespect? And the human race has done that for centuries. Israelites turn her back on God. And as we look in the mirror, I think we ought to be able to answer the question. And if we can't, I think that's a focus of our lives. We ought to be able to answer the question. Yes, between us and our, our husband or wife, our human spouse, right? Yes, you ought to be able to answer that question. Take that one seriously. But that and whether or not we are the proper bride of Christ... The answer to those two questions really go hand in hand. They really go hand in hand. Am I going to treat others the way Jesus treats me? Giving himself up for her. Giving himself up for him in the relationship. To build them up. Strengthen them. Purify them. Are you a good spouse or are you just a ghost in the house? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be challenged with this, with, with this reminder. We thank you, Father, that, that you need us, you want us, you, 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 you demand that we examine ourselves, our, our hearts, our minds, and confront the questions that we don't want to confront. We rely on your...
Please stand and sing. I hear the Savior say, to uh, read through Hosea because it is a little bit strange, but it's got a valuable lesson. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me this week, it might be kind of hard. I've recently signed up for some breakdance mime and puppeteering classes <laughs> that I'm going to take in the evenings. So, now, okay, that's the last one, last one. Uh, but read Hosea. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things there. And it does cause you to reflect upon your own heart, your own life. And your self-examination is what you need. It's what I need. And as Paul says, if we would judge ourselves, we wouldn't come under judgment. Let's judge ourselves as well. Okay? Let's pray.
pray. Father, we, oh, uh, one other thing. I'm going to forget this if I don't say it. Um, I want you here next week and the week after, okay? Uh, I want you here every week, but definitely this. We're going to go through Haggai. We're going to go through Malachi. We're going to kind of do it together. One's going to build on the other. Haggai asks the question, why have you stopped building God's temple? This is God's temple. Why have you stopped? Malachi asks the question, okay, now that you've built it, why are you desecrating it? Why are you desecrating God's temple? And what does it mean to do that? So I encourage you to be here next week and the week after. Now let's go to God in prayer, shall we? Father, we do thank you. We thank you that you listen, that you hear, that this is, that this is not just an exercise. That you hear the words that we say. You hear the words that we don't say. We ask, Father, that as we leave this place, as we spend our life with you this week, help us to be faithful spouses. Help us to be faithful to the very character of Christ, the way he sees us, what he's done for us. Not to earn anything, but for our good and your glory. Help us to treat others the way Jesus treats us. We thank you, Father, for this, this incredible lesson through your prophet. In Jesus' name. Again, increase in us, we pray. Um.